0: came with or whoever you're sitting nearby, where you would like to go if you could pick any place for a summer vacation, where would you go? summertime is a time of great memories. When we think of summer, we do think of summer vacations. Uh, We think of cookouts. We think of family gatherings. We think of going to the ballpark or going to watch summer movies or going camping or, or fishing or taking a vacation at the beach. We all have our favorite summer Memories. Summer seems to be that season that almost all of us look forward to. It's like the pinnacle of the seasons. It's the season we enjoy the most. And the best summers are a preview of kingdom paradise. And as you know, because we preached all the way through this book of the Bible last summer, Fall, at the end of the book of Revelation, we get a picture of the coming paradise, of the coming new heavens and new earth, where all the people of God will live with God in his kingdom forever. And in some ways, that's what summer is it's a little preview of the coming kingdom, it's a taste of. Of heaven. Remember from the last couple sermons in this series, we learned how there are seasons in the natural world, but there are also seasons in our soul which correspond to those seasons in the natural world. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 tells us, "...for everything there is a season and a time." Even our spiritual lives, we go through different seasons, and God has a purpose and a plan for every one of those seasons as we abide in Christ, and his goal is to produce fruit. While some seasons feel dry and lonely and cold, other seasons feel like they're full of life and abundance and energy, and today we're going to learn about one thing. Of those seasons, summer. Not, of course, earth's season of summer, but the spiritual season of summer. If you're not already there, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, as we read verses 1 through 5, and hear of the coming kingdom of Christ to earth. Then he showed me the river ...of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse... The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer and ask him to bless this time as we try to understand his, his word. Father, Lord, we, we pray that you would give us understanding, give us truth in the innermost parts of our hearts. We pray that you would shine light into our soul today. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a deeper walk with Christ because of this. Or Someone come into a relationship with Jesus Christ because of the word of God heard today. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. So from this passage, we see how summer is like a little taste of the kingdom. This is a description of the new Jerusalem in the new heavens and new earth where there's no more any sin. There's no more any pain. There's no more any death. None of that stuff that is bad and broken in our world today will be a part of the coming kingdom of Christ when Christ comes in complete fullness. There will be a river flowing through, trees full of the the fruit of the tree of life will be lining the streets. They'll be crowded with leaves. We're told giving healing to The nations, the trees will be bearing fruit continually, we're told, just like summer, forever. Just a perpetual summer going on here. There won't be any night because God's presence will be the light. We won't even need the light from a lamp anymore. We will serve him. We will live with him. There won't be any more war. There won't be any more sickness, there won't be any more poverty, Um, there won't be any injustice. People will love each other totally and completely. Heaven will be a world of perfect love. Now that's just a little bit of of what heaven will be like. I also want you to notice here who will be in heaven, who will have entrance into heaven. Look at verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The servants of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, will be worshiping God forever and ever in heaven. We will serve him in heaven. This also shows us who will not be in heaven. Those who aren't the servants of God in Christ will not be in heaven. We're told earlier in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, they will be thrown into a lake of fire where they will live apart from God forever and ever. And the key word here is curse from verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed or no longer will there be a curse. And the Garden of Eden was much like this too. There was no curse in the Garden of Eden. There was just paradise. There, there was no separation between God and man. And everything was as it should be. There was a complete shalom, a complete fullness and, and peace of the presence of God. But when man and woman decided to break away and go on, go on their own way and take the fruits and eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that one thing that God told them not to do, a curse entered into our world. Sin brought a curse with it. And in the Bible, a curse is a declaration of guilt that carries with it loss, that brings with it pain and separation. Because Adam and Eve were were guilty of sin, The guilt was pronounced, and God put a curse on his creation. No longer was the world going to be as satisfying as God had originally designed it. There, There was going to be suffering and sickness in the world. No longer was there going to be peace between people. The earth wasn't going to be as productive as it was before. In fact, work was going to be really painful. All that is broken in our world came as a result of sin, came as a result of this curse. But God had a plan. Even from the beginning, this plan was hinted at. God had a plan to redeem his people and rescue them. ...from the curse that their own sin had brought into creation. And all throughout the Bible, we see his plan enacted in four different acts. We see his plan for the beginning, creation. We see him making us for relationship with him. We see him making people, human beings to be for his glory, to live with him, to be satisfied in him. But then the next act enters in, in Genesis chapter 3, and that is sin. Sin came into creation and separated us from God. There is a gap between people and God. And there was no answer for this gap. There's no answer for this gap in and of ourselves. Though we may try to bridge the gap with good works, we can't get there. We can't bridge the gap between us and God in and of ourselves and in and of our own efforts. But that's where the third act comes in, redemption. God had a plan we're told from eternity past to send his one and only son Jesus Christ to earth to live a perfect sinless life as a human being a life that we've all failed to live Jesus was sent to die the death that we deserve to die and then arise victoriously from the grave so that we can have new and eternal life, so that the gap between us and God can be bridged. And it's through the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ that the gap has been bridged. The third act is redemption. And anyone who calls out on the name of the Lord can be redeemed and and can be saved and enter into a new relationship with God. And then there is a fourth act to come, and that's complete restoration of God's creation. And that is the new heavens and new earth that we have just read about. When God and his people will be together as one forever and ever. Unbroken, perfect community and fellowship between God and God. And his people. And that's why only those who are the servants of the Lamb, as we're told here in Revelation chapter 22, will get to enjoy that unbroken new heaven and new earth communion with their Creator. It's, it's not because they've earned heaven, but because they're cleansed of their guilt. It's because they've been redeemed. It's not the good people who are going to get into heaven, it's the forgiven people who are going to get into heaven. Those who are willing to admit their sin and trust in Christ for redemption through the sacrifice of the Lamb. So my hope and prayer for you today is that if you haven't yet, that you would confess your sin, that you would turn from your sin in faith and trust in Christ so that you can become a servant of God today and be saved and have the assurance of eternal life. And the best thing about heaven isn't heaven itself, though it will be glorious. The best thing about heaven will be we will be with God forever. We will see Jesus. We will see the Lamb. We will serve the Lamb together. He'll reign on his throne as our king. But the awesome thing about it is we don't have to wait until heaven to begin to serve God. We can begin to serve Jesus right now. When Jesus came to earth the first time, he proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven has now come. Meaning our king has come from heaven down to earth to rescue us. And he invites us to serve him right now, to come and follow him. Let him be our king right now. There is no part of our lives that Jesus doesn't want to claim as his. Our marriages have to be his. Our parenting has to be his. Our jobs and our schoolwork have to be his. Have to, he has to have dominion over everything. What we do with our free time Has to be His. Our relationships have to be His. Our hobbies have to be His. Our values have to be His. Our plans in life has to be His. What we spend our money on, it has to be His. How we treat other people, it has to be His. There's no part of us that Jesus doesn't make a claim over. If Jesus is our King... He has to have it all. He demands to have it all. And when we surrender our hearts to Jesus, he does some incredible things in us and through us. He starts to change us from the inside out, piece by piece, to reshape us. Him being the potter, us being the clay, to where we start to live our lives not for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. And that's what a summertime of the soul is like. It's a taste of what God's complete and perfect reign over us will be like in the kingdom of heaven, in the new heavens and new earth. Spiritual summer is, is a season in life when, when God feels very near to us when we're surrendering to do whatever he would have us to do, when we're seeing a lot of change and, and growth in our lives spiritually due to the work of Jesus Christ in us, when we're having victory over, over sin, when we're connecting easily with other Christians and helping them to grow, when we're having a deeper desire to to serve other people and not just ourselves, and to share the gospel with the lost. When we have an unquenchable hunger for the word of God and and prayer, when it's easy for us to delight in God and all he is for us in Christ, that's what a summertime season of the soul is like. During summer, natural summer, fruit is is growing on the trees it's the same thing in our soul in summertime the fruit of the spirit can be easily visibly seen in our life and, and we've talked about that what is the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control summer of the soul it, it's a preview of the kingdom of heaven Jesus reigning more freely in our hearts, in, in summer, it's easy to say, "With the psalmist, taste and see that the Lord is good." So that's what spiritual summer is like when we enter into that season in our walk with Christ. Now, let's answer the question: How do we live in this summertime season of the soul? Just as in natural seasons, there are different routines and rhythms that we take in our lives to adapt as per that season. It's the same thing spiritually. What rhythms and routines do we need to take when God opens up a summertime season of the soul? Well, first, we need to enjoy summer. One of the things I, I really look forward to in summer as a kid was the ice cream truck. You would be out playing somewhere, or you would be inside and you would hear that music and you drop everything and you'd get the the coins that the dollars that you had ready and you'd go outside and you'd go get your ice cream or your popsicle or whatever. There's a childlike freedom to summer, isn't there? The kids are out of school, everything's bright Everything is warm, it's pleasant, opportunities seem endless, time doesn't seem the same. We kind of forget about time. It's like late time, you know, you're, you're just out there, you're enjoying yourself. In summer, you just kind of forget some of the worries that you have in life, to enjoy friends and, and family. Well, so the most important thing that we can do when God opens up this type of, of of season of abundance in our soul is enjoy it don't be in a hurry enjoy God and enjoy what God is doing in you Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 reminds us with joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation that's what salvation the end of salvation is joy we don't emphasize that enough I believe uh, sometimes we, we, we speak of the Christian life as just kind of grinded out, but that's not it at all. The end goal of salvation in our lives is joy. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. So if God has saved you, if He brought you through something, then thank Him, enjoy Him, worship Him, drink deeply. In summertime, you start to live in the way that the late Pastor A.W. Tozer describes. Those who are in Christ share with God all the riches of limitless time and endless years. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. Kingdom life... Like summer living is not worrying, it basks in the sheer abundance of God's goodness. And kingdom life, like summer living, abounds in fruit. It delights in the sheer abundance of God's provision. And then next, what should we be doing when God opens up a, a summertime season in our souls? We should gather in summer. Another one of my favorite memories in summer... Being out on the farm, at my grandma's farm, and going to pick the blackberries. In, in Proverbs, or you know, the wise sayings in the Bible, it says, The son who gathers during summer is prudent. The son who sleeps during harvest is disgraceful. There are crops to be gathered in summer. And these are called, in the Bible, the, the first fruits. The, the first produce that, that's ready. And in the Bible, we're called to give the best to God. The first and the best. The, the first fruits are meant to be given over to God, to, to honor Him. Well, spiritually, we have some produce. We have some gifts that, that God has, has given us in the form of, of time, treasure, and talents And the first part of all of those is meant to be given over to honor God. We're not supposed to use all of our time on ourselves. We're to be careful to to spend some time to to love other people, to to worship God. We're not meant to to use all of our money on ourselves, but we're to budget in such a way where we give the first, the the tithe, the first 10%, to God. We've given us abilities to use for ministry too, to, to serve other people. And this next point, it it may sound really elemental and, and really simple, but to me it, it's really convicting because probably because I can be pretty selfish about some things. But when you pick your fruit, when you pick your, your veggies from the garden, you, you don't pick them just for yourself. Usually you pick them to share with other people. Well, the fruit that that God gives you, the gifts that he blesses you with in your life, isn't meant for you to hoard for yourself either. Your life is meant to be poured out and and shared for others. God chose to use Abraham. It's one of the first servants of God in the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham and called him and told him, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. So, why does God bless us? Why does God give us gifts? Not so that we can hoard them, not so that we can be selfish, but so that we may become a blessing. other people. So when God opens up a summertime season of the soul, we need to be careful to gather in summer so that we may share with other people. And then third, we should water in summer. The danger in summer, the danger for our plants in summer is not getting enough water. The sun and heat will will scorch them and they won't be fruitful. Well, we're like that too in our souls. We can easily get dried out, burnt out. We use that type of of language today of, of feeling emotionally burnt out. Well, God's fruit in our life needs replenishment, needs sustaining. Jesus stood up during the greatest day of a festival in Jerusalem. And and he just screamed out at the top of his lungs to all the people there, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus is our living water. And we have to go to him to be Replenished, And if we don't remain spiritually close to Him, we will get dried up and, and burnt out. And we won't produce the spiritual fruit that God wants us to produce. And for us, that means we make sure that we're refreshed by alone time with God, spent in His Word and in prayer. It means we cut out busyness out of our lives and hurry to... To take time away and rest to focus on God and, and those closest to us, reminding ourselves that, that He is in control, not us. We, we seek Him through fasting. We, we make sure that we make it a priority to worship God with the people of God and, and build healthy relationships with other Christians. So the danger in, in summer. Quickly becomes burnout. We need replenishment, and then fourth and last, what should we do when God opens up a, a, a summertime season of the soul? Is we should know where our shelter is in summer. Here in Kentucky, as you know, storms. We, we saw some storms yesterday. They can happen pretty quickly, and some of them can be pretty dangerous as well. In summer, we need to know where our shelter is so that we can be kept safe. Psalm 91, verse 1 tells us, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Even when we're being blessed in the the summertime season of the soul, when everything seems to be going right, storms can still happen really fast and unexpectedly And when something unexpected happens, we need to be prepared in advance where we will go, where our refuge and where our shelter is. And God wants us to know that He is our refuge and He is our shelter and we can turn to Him for safety. So in closing, the key to all of this, the key to God using us, the key for spiritual fruit in our life, Is one thing, it's really one action of the heart, and that is the surrender of your will to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you recognize today that you need to become a disciple of of Jesus Christ, the key is surrender. Jesus said, To gain our life, we must lose it. Is your life surrendered to the King? Or are you still trying to live for yourself for your own goals and and desires do you want what he wants for you is your life and and greatest desire to serve him where is your source of of abundance and joy and it's so easy as a Christian to, to get away from that we have to remind ourselves Every single day that joy can only be found in God, in Christ. And if we don't do that, then we're going to drift. So if you've been a Christian for a long time and you've seen yourself drift, today is the day to come back. Today is the day just to re-surrender your will to the Lord Christ and do what God is calling you to do. And when we surrender our will, we won't see this spiritual fruit happen immediately. But something begins. Something that's planted. And then if we continually surrender our will, we're going to see a great abundance of blessing. God's going to use you in, in powerful ways. Do you want that? Do you want to be used of God in your life? Do you want... To make a difference in this generation? Do you want to make a difference for Christ in His name or your name? Where are you at this morning? And it all starts with surrendering your want to. Surrendering your desire, your will completely to Jesus Christ. Very simple. No one can do that except for you because it happens in this invisible place inside of you called the heart. Will you do that today? Will you say yes to Jesus Christ and and whatever he's calling you to do? Will you say yes to Jesus Christ with a call of salvation today? Will you say, yes, Lord, I I want you and I I need you and I'm a sinner and I surrender my life to you. Will you save me, Lord? God's going to do something powerful in someone's life, who's willing to surrender their all to him today. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we confess how far away we we drift from you. Lord, I confess sometimes how far away my mind and my heart can get from you. Lord, help us this day to, to re to you, to come like obedient children, to do your will, to desire nothing other than you and what you want for us today. Help us to experience a, a, a freshness of your, your spirit and of your word, a freshness that comes with the cleansing of sin in our lives. Or do something powerful in and through us in this church as we surrender to you. Or do something powerful in somebody's life today that, that, that comes to you and says, I want you, Jesus. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. It leaves the darkness and enters into your marvelous light. Or let it be today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Can a stand this morning?